Phil Gripton. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, this, this bit never is put in the podcast. It just gets us teed up for it. <laughs> it's okay. I, I still remember um, sometimes you meet people in business and you can strike up like a good match kind of right away. I remember sitting in a coffee shop being like, oh, can we just talk forever about, <laughs> about, um, about digital agencies, the, the problems with that. And then we got into my booking hub, the, the platform we're building at ClearSky at the moment. Yeah. And it was just even, even, even more things to talk well, about. Well, that's because you had, a, you had a product, you'd built a product that, that I needed two and a half, three years ago at the time that nobody could give me. And that was the frustrating bit. So it was really nice to actually find someone who'd already solved the problem that I needed solving. Um, so that's why it was so interesting, I think. Yeah. And it's funny, since then, I can't stop thinking about my book and hub, and I've come up with all sorts of different iterations and different ideas for it. So I keep thinking of new ones. So yeah. we'll see what comes next. In the meantime, you've completely transformed ClearSky Logic and the way we run an agency or a software delivery partner. Um, you know, we, we started maybe four and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. you know what it's like, two tech guys start a business, and you know, it'll work, it'll be, you know, we can get this right. We know the products, we know what we build. And then you've got finance, marketing, and sales, and all that stuff that just can, can, can kind of like snowball mm-hmm. out of control. And then you, you get to a point where, well, actually, is, is the business running healthily? And I think that's the biggest impact, is we've only been talking maybe yeah. seven, eight months, right? Yeah. But since then, since first talking to you to where we are now, it's, it's kind of day and night, right? Uh, good, well, I mean, the whole point is that, that, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about what is it that I do? Well, what I've done is take the, 30 years experience, and unfortunately it is 30 years experience, and I'd boil that down and then bring that to people who haven't got that amount of experience and say, well, here's the things I know to be true, let's focus on them. And I mean, to be fair, you say that I've done the transformation, it's you guys that have done the transformation, I've just showed you where to look. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, right? That's, right. What, that's what good kind of advisory is. It's about helping people see where they need to look to get things right. Mm. And I'm, I'm fortunate, the people we work with typically are bright enough to get it, and we, we show them where it is, and they get it, and when they get it, off they go. And you know, we've got some great cases of these where that's happened. So, yeah. so please take some of the credit yourself. Now. <laughs> it's important. It's such a catalyst, though, right? Like I, I think we would have got to where we are now um, on our own, but it would have taken years, and we've well, got it wrong like yeah. so many times. You well, know? Uh, well, you know, I, I often say um, what we do is we offer pothole avoidance. There are a load of potholes in your future. And the thing is, I've fallen in at least 70% of them, and I've had to get out again, so I'd rather you didn't have to. So it's about, how do I help you see the pothole as it comes, think about what to do about it, how to avoid it, and go around it. If you can go around them, you don't fall in them, you go faster. So this is all about acceleration. So mm. it works well, though. Yeah, and taking that, taking, as a business owner, a business leader, it's, it's taking your head out of, like, today mm. into, at first it was, okay, what's happening next month, and then what's yeah. happening next quarter, and what's happening next year? Yeah. And now we've got a five-year growth plan which we've never had before. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that's taking you from working in the business to working on the business. Mm. And, you know, when you do startup, it's very easy to get stuck in the machinations of every day, and therefore you never think about longer term. You work on, I'm working on this problem or that problem or this firefight or whatever, and it's hard to raise your vision and say, where are we going? What's it about? What's our vision? What do we care about? What do we want our colleagues to be engaged in? Because if you don't do that longer term thinking, it just goes from month to month to month, and it never actually gets past a certain scale. You know, There's so many agencies out there right now who've managed to get to a certain level and never get any further because they get stuck in that cycle. So mm-hmm. our job's to help them break out the cycle. Yeah. And as CEO, that's the, that's the most important thing that, that I should be doing with my time, right? But mm-hmm. typically I'd be too engaged in the operations side of things or getting distracted by you know, staffing uh, issues or challenges, that sure. sort of thing. But it's definitely given me the, the broader view of the world and where I'm going yeah. and, and that's helped me communicate better with the team as well. Good. So that trying to get everyone to buy into where I want to go and understand why that's important and why we're here. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, it, it's kind of some of these intangible things that you just start seeing, um, things that maybe didn't go the right way previously or suddenly just mm-hmm. feeling a bit more naturally going the right way, but it is because of yeah. the, uh, the, the, the help you've given. Great. Um, so, 
So that's here and now, right? <laughs> Where did it all start? What's the story? Blimey. Um, In the uh, beginning. Unfortunately, as I said, um, I've been doing this for 30 years now. And, and I, I used to be the young guy doing the, the stuff like you, and now I'm not anymore. Um, so for me, I, I kind of had a... I've kind of got some thematic parts of my career. It's always been in commercial and sales and leadership type roles. Um, I've been in a unicorn, which was fun, fascinating stuff. Uh, and then I've done sort of exits and transactions. So that's kind of been the theme of my career. But it started in sort of IT services and software. I did a graduate program. Remember uh -huh. those? Uh -huh. uh, back in the 90s, I did a graduate program working for ICL Fujitsu, which was uh, interesting. Um, then I sort of did that, got some great grounding, real good understanding about what sort of business was about what sales and marketing were about um, I then pivoted this and that was what I did three pivots this was pivot one I went into software and tried something new uh, and I went to work for an American software company which was a unicorn it was called parametric technology corporation it went from zero to a billion dollars in eight years wow in a market that was saturated by IBM what, what, what stage did you get in it I got in at year four um, and it was it was amazing. It was uh, it, that's where I really learned about how to sell, how to create value for people. Mm -hmm. um, and that business went on, you know, as I said, to be a unicorn. And then the the alumni from that have also absolutely gone on to to run other things. Um, it was interesting on the weekend I saw you and Blair's business, which is Multiverse, got a valuation of one point seven billion. The chair of that used to work with me at Parametric. You know, so it's kind of got that great alumni. That's a guy called Jeremy Duggan did a did an amazing job in in, in his career. Uh, so that sort of stuff has kind of taught me some. Great lessons. And then I guess from there I went on, uh, I then went into uh, hosting, internet hosting, uh, which was in the late 90s, 99. I, th I saw the internet really surging and it was a case of I'll start at the hosting end because I was more IT technology. So there's hosting then and then into telecoms. That was over a nine year stint with Energis, the alternative telecoms company. And then into uh, cable and wireless. We did a reverse takeover into uh, cable and wireless, which was again fascinating. Um, that taught me about kind of the breadth of corporate and the things you need to learn about how big big businesses work. And in that, I did my super deal. I did the biggest deal of my career in that, um, which was when we sold the infrastructure to FreeServe. Remember FreeServe? It was yeah, an ISP. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. yeah, so that was a deal I did with France Telecom. It was a £650 million deal. Wow. Um, it was took me 11 months to do it with a team of, of 90 to get the deal done. Wow. But it was quite, quite an experience to learn about how businesses work that way. Um, and then into, uh, from that I then uh, pivoted again and came up to Scotland uh, and that was when I came to run Big Mouth Media, which was a, a real difference, that was digital marketing, really different to what I'd done before. Um, I had a great opportunity to go and learn about agency side um, and you know, that was a great thing because it was a play to get it towards a transaction, which we did. Mm -hmm. In 2011 we sold that business to Digitas LBI, which was part of their uh, sort of traction to get their deals away and they then sold a publicist 40 months later which was again i got to learn then about how businesses are valued mm. how values created and then how deals are done which was fantastic yeah, enjoyed that very much and then from there into b2c pure play i went and ran an online dating business did you yes called cupid right. which was public listed so again i learned then about being a public listed chief exec which was something i hadn't done before learning how to deal with shareholder groups learning how to deal with the markets um, Again, all this experience coming together, it was uh, fascinating to learn, but quite hard to do. I also had um, about 600 people in Ukraine uh, who were my tech development shop, so I knew a lot about tech and how that was working, but I also learned how to work with uh, multinational players. So that was uh, a fascinating time where, you, I guess, you, you learn a lot about how technology has developed. Um, and then from that, I then pivoted back into a disruptive energy play in the UK, which you know, obviously, because you were in energy yourself, which was First Utility. 
which was a, a sort of a, a growth turnaround play to then good transaction. And we sold that in 2018 to, um, to Shell. Um, that, was a, that was again, great experience, understanding and learning about how big businesses work that way, how to reduce cost to serve whilst supporting the low cost price that we had in the market. And it was fascinating. You know, when you're against the British gases mm. and the SSEs who, who didn't have the same pressures as we did, it was fantastic to, to work much more entrepreneurial, much more startup mentality to kind of drive the performance. So it was, yeah, it was, it's been quite a varied career over that 30 years and um, I guess exposed me to all sorts of different things which, which I've learned and hopefully that's what I now bring mm. to the relationships that I bring to people that I work with. Yeah, so it's, quite a kind of, it's extremely kind of diverse, although there's that kind of software or, or, or technology mm-hmm. theme running through the whole thing. What, what, was, there, was there, you know, when, when you're a part of... Uh, uh, the the telecoms world was there, and, and you moved over to kind of agency side yeah. of things. What was the kind of thought process for you there? Were you were you were you, were you certain that you had learned things up your career up till then, and they decided to go yeah. for it? I think it was one of those ones where um, I realised digital marketing was was definitely growing. I realised that you know the the old traditional means of, of selling, which was going to be you know cold calling and, and lists and data, were, were changing. And it was lead gen, etc. was going to go much more down the digital marketing route. I realised I, I, I wanted to try that. I knew that the corporate world was something I'd done and I was a little bit jaded by it, I've got to say. It was it was tiring in that. And I thought, well, I'll come and do something that's a bit more um, bit more interesting, uh, and I guess that's all part of it. You always want to do stuff that's interesting, yeah. and you know, uh, and Big Mouth was a real different opportunity. You know, um, it was set up by two great founders who kind of got it going and done really well with it. And it, my job was to come and help them get it ready for, for that transaction. So, um, and it also gave me a chance to move to Scotland, which I, I really fancied. So, um, made the move in two thousand and nine, uh, and I'm still here now in two thousand twenty-two. <laughs> but no, it was great. It was just a, it was it was a. A new opportunity, something different and exciting. Mm. That's why that's why I came up to do it. Okay. And, and what do you think the what do you think is driving you through that whole that whole journey? You know, what what was it for you that keeps you going? Uh, why did you go up in the morning? You what was it that you like to get your teeth into? And, and, and it's you know a lot of people say it was success or money or, or that sort of thing, but that doesn't that's not the passion, right? That's the thing you check a yeah. box, you get your cash, and you run. But, you know, it's interesting. I think um, in my thirties, it was definitely that. It was all about how much could I earn, and and you know where where was I going to be, and how was I going to be successful that way? And then I think as I as I learned more about myself, I realised actually that was less important. It's more about do you do interesting things? Do you work with interesting people? Um, and other new and interesting things to keep you engaged. And I get up because I'm passionate about helping people grow things. I'm passionate about seeing how growth can manifest itself. Um, and I'm, I've got loads of good ideas, I think. Well, I think I've got loads of good ideas about how people can do that. So I like bringing that to people. And that's why this role I'm doing now is so good for me because you know, I'm advising um, normally young entrepreneurial people on how to get the best out of their business. I'm bringing you know, 30 years condensed experience into them to help them, but at the same time, feel that I can still have that conversation with them about what's going to get them excited, what's going to get them juiced, what's going to make them want to go and do something, something different. So mm-hmm. that's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. You know, the money and all that, it's nice, but it's high, much more hygienic now. It's much more about let's, let's go out and do something interesting. Yeah. And what's the biggest challenges when you're, uh, say, when you're talking to um, new people that have got businesses that are exciting, but they, you know, they don't quite know what they're doing, <laughs> maybe like us. <laughs> but what's the biggest challenge you find um, going to start something like that? That's an interesting one, I think. In the first instance for me, it's always about, the biggest challenge is getting them to, to self-recognize what they're trying to achieve and get them in that space where they want to take the advice and guidance you're going to give. There's nothing worse than getting into a relationship with somebody like that where they go, yeah, that's really interesting, Phil, but I'm going to do 
the opposite. Mm. So it, it, that first courtship is about, can we work with these people? And the beauty of our business is we can choose who we work with, which is nice. Um, so I can decide who I want to work with. And, and if it feels like it's good, then we can, we can work together or not. So that's the first one. Are they going to be amenable to what you've, you're going to offer? I guess the other challenges then are getting them to, to take that point that you said before about look a bit further out long range, a bit more long range planning, get them out of the weeds and get them up to, to thinking, you know, what's going to happen next year and the year after, year after, and have some vision about where they want to go. So helping them craft that vision, get them thinking a bit more long term is definitely one of the, the, the sort of hurdles we have to get over. And then the other one, of course, is and then keeping them true to the fact that, you know, it's great to have great cultures, it's great to have great employee value propositions, etc. But unless you're making money, you can't afford to do any of that. So it's getting them focused on the metrics that matter mm-hmm. and say, what's going to drive the success here, which will then allow you to afford to build these things out. So I think um, they're the kind of first challenges we always get to. So it's long range planning, profitability, you know, and making a great business. Yeah, and, and, and your time's obviously limited, so it's almost like an investment of yourself for the time that you've got, where you put your time in businesses that you're working sure. with. Yeah. Um, is there any any situations where you put more time in certain businesses and less time in others? And what how does, how does that yeah. kind of like? I think, you know, because we're, um, because we're, we've only got a certain amount of time, we can only do so much stuff. Um, we try to, to get the place where you, you, you know, you're investing time in a sort of a, a sensible way. However, when there's peaks and flows in people's business, you can't help but get engaged in it. So you'll end up doing the late night WhatsApps and the, and the early morning chats. And, you know, it's funny, as I'm traveling to and from places, I'm always thinking about, well, what's next for them? What's next for them? On my way here today, I, I was making a call to someone saying, I saw this at the weekend. What about this? You know, you can't help it. You just get engaged in it. And I think that's what makes me interested in it. If it was stuff that was boring, yeah. It wouldn't feel the same, you know. So I think you constantly play into your, into your spare time thinking, you know, um, and you will have conversations about things. You know, I'll think about my book at Hub at the weekend, for goodness sake. You know, I can't help it. Those things happen. They're doing the gardening and I'm thinking about my book at Hub. So, yeah, I think that's, that's what happens. You, you fill your time and you fill your thinking. Um, try and keep it balanced with your work, sort of work-life balance. But, you know, I, I can't help it. I, I'm pretty much always on from that perspective yeah and it is tough right like I was recently on holiday in Tenerife for the family and I'm around, <laughs> I'm around the pool messaging <laughs> Phil yeah, sorry about <laughs> that um, but it's, it's, um, it's a difficult balance to get right I mean how, what, what advice would you have because I think that's what I've probably struggled the most with since I started Clear Sky Logic just trying to get the separation of Clear Sky Logic family but also you know the Clear Sky Logic the ideas that are ticking over my head the, you know the, like you were saying there the, you, see, you see something at the weekend randomly like oh wait a minute I need to write this down somewhere. I'm going to forget about it. Yeah. How do you balance that with having young children and that sort of thing? It's, you know, I think that's the kind of holy grail, isn't it? How do you get that, that kind of quality and peace of mind? I think, you know, one of the things that I invested in was I went through a, a process which is about quality of mind, quality of thinking. Um, and I read a few books that I was recommended to by my, my coach. And, um, and, and I found this process called quality of mind. Uh, and I've been doing that since 2015. Uh, and that really helped me understand about my own thinking, what it is I'm thinking about, and allowing me to sort of work through the thoughts that are coming through. Because, you know, you have, was it 20,000 thoughts a day or something like that? Mm. Um, some of them are useful, some of them are not useful. I've got a lot better at understanding which ones are useful and which ones aren't. Which ones are just noise and, and me making up stories and thinking about what this means and, oh, and that must mean that and that must, you know, and you get lost in that thinking. I've got a lot better at carving that out. So I've got more bandwidth for the things that matter. And also, I think, trusting myself more to understand what really matters and what doesn't mm. uh, and therefore focusing on the things that really matter and and that allows me then to to compartmentalize things and say now it's time for family or now it's time for, for work or not uh, which means that although you're always on you can compartmentalize and, and keep it sensible um 
I made the mistake earlier in my career of not being around enough for, for my family because I was just working like a, a loony, you know, yeah. um, and constantly traveling, etc. So I think you get that balance right over time. You, the problem is, typically, we don't realize it until we're later in our career and then we go, oops, yeah. I should have been a bit more attentive on that. So I think getting that quality of thinking right, realizing there's wasted thinking and there's great thinking and trying to focus more on the great thinking, mm. discount the, the wasted stuff and move on. Not, not worth it. Yeah, I, I guess for me it's, it's been present as well. You know, like not just being there. There's yeah. a lot of times like with the kids and you know, they're younger yeah. playing around, they don't know what I'm doing or not. And it's something, it's, it's just to make that switch my hand and go, no, yeah. don't respond to emails. Phone down. Don't push them on a swing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so it's, it's things like that. You know, when you're, when you're with your kids, I mean, I've got a five-year-old uh, and a 24-year-old. When, when you're with the kids, you've got to spend time with them mm. and you've got to be present because, you know, Angus, my youngest, wants to play with the trains and wants me to play with them. It's, you know, and it's like, well, it's easy to be distracted with other things. So you've got to, yeah. you've got to make that time. It's, it's funny how you, um, with some of the kids stuff, you end up like challenging them as well. Say, like, okay, well, we're not just going to play Lego. Let's try and make the tallest Lego <laughs> exactly, better yeah. we can. Exactly. Just, uh, yeah. I want a long range view about that Lego plug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and how was uh, the kind of the, the COVID lockdowns, all that sort of thing for you? Did, Make much of a difference. It, it made a massive difference in some respects. I mean, um, you know, it was difficult at first because everyone went into business continuity mode. Um, so what we spent a lot of time doing with our clients in the first instance was helping them plan for what if things go wrong. Mm. So pulling back on the cost, getting really un, under, underneath what was going to happen in the business, looking at things they didn't need to pay, things they didn't need to pay, how they went through furlough. So we did lots of continuity at the beginning. And then, of course, as that then started to relax and people started to get a little bit more confident, the actual digital marketing sphere really got busy because mm. lots of stuff had to go online. The bricks and mortar businesses closed, so everything went online. So all of a sudden, these guys were absolutely gunning it. So we spent a lot of time then helping people run back up again and get, and get up to speed. And for us, what it actually showed was that the geography meant very little. So, you know, during that time we, we, we brought on clients, uh, we were normally in the north and, and you know, Midlands of, of England and Scotland. Um, we now have clients in Athens, we've got a client in Dubai, we had clients in California, and because we could service digitally mm. and we could meet with them and do board meetings digitally, the, the geography became irrelevant. So I think that's a trend that we've seen from COVID that's gonna continue. The, the digitization of, of work is, is much more developed now and therefore it's accepted. So mm -hmm. it was good from that perspective. And, um, and then at the back of that, the whole M&A side of our business got extremely busy because there's been a lot of money coming into the markets looking for digital solutions because you know, digital is, is so important for businesses now. You know, the, the COVID thing made them realize that people-based processes and um, ways of working w were risky. Um, and therefore they need to do a lot more automation. So we saw a big rush towards people digitizing processes, digitizing onboarding and, and client management and all sort of stuff. So um, I think that that's sort of lit up our market a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And it's keeping us busy, but it's also keeping my colleagues in the M&A side extremely busy because there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of people looking to acquire digital exp expertise and uh, experience now. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of the businesses become more efficient, right? And, and, and I think a lot of businesses were running in a, a comfort mode where they thought, you know, they'd look in a call center and go, oh, we've got lots and lots of people, isn't that, isn't that great? Things must be fine. Yeah. Customers must be happy because we're not getting complaints and that's all good, right? But then actually, well, how are, how are we serving customers? Does anyone actually want to call a call center anymore? Like, I certainly, I will avoid it like the plague. Yeah. And, and, and with digital solutions becoming way more mainstream now and not as big an investment to get the right sort of outcome, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just kind of right for businesses taking that journey, right? I totally agree. And I think, you know, what we found is people, 
were forced to look at those processes and realize how ineffective they were and how inefficient they were and actually how much they cost. So, I mean, when we were at First Utility, we looked at all of our analog journeys and realized they were two, three, four, up to eight times more expensive than a digital journey. Um, and if you managed to secure a digital client who joined you digitally, they'd be serviced with you digitally. If they joined you analog, they wanted to stay analog. And answering the phones were expensive. Um, it was time consuming. It meant you had lots of people sat in offices, etc. Doing it digitally was, was so much lighter. Doing it on chat, uh, doing it on Facebook Messenger for business, doing it on, on Twitter. That was just so much easier. And of course, the beauty of that is when you service a client well there, the first thing that the person did was they then tweeted it and said, just a great experience with, with First Utility, you know, um, you know, had this experience, it worked well and it got done quickly. Mm -hmm. So much easier uh, and so much cheaper. So I think, yeah, we, we made a big effort to push more and more of our communication uh, digitally. Uh, when I finished up, when, when Shell uh, bought the business, uh, I think we were at about 38% of all our journeys were digital at that point. Uh, I know it's much bigger than that now, the guys have been pushing it since, but I mean, it just makes sense, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do the heavy lifting with technology, make it easy for people, then they don't want to call ring yeah. call centers and sit waiting for the phone to be answered. There's nothing worse, right? It's madness, right? But it's not about getting rid of people. It's, no. it's your people can now do the really important things. Exactly. You know, that, that 20% that can't be done automatically, exactly. if something's gone wrong, people need support. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you've got the resource to provide the support. Yeah, exactly. For example, you know, uh, if you're dealing with uh, bereavement, uh, you know, which we have to do in energy, you don't want to deal with bereavement through a digital means. You want to do that, you know, person yeah. to person. And, you know, you've got to get that balance right. So it's not appropriate for everything, but it works brilliantly in some things. And and people appreciate it when it works well. I mean, who doesn't use Spotify or, or you know, who doesn't use Amazon or whatever and find it easy and go, this is just great, it's easy, right? But that's what people want now. They want things that work well and do what they want. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how do you see things changing going forward? You know, are you seeing things in the marketplace just now, whether it's M&A or whether it's just um, market in general? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think we're going to see that continuation of more digitization. Um, I think that, you know, uh, all big corporations have, are looking at their processes, they're looking at their supply chains and saying, we've got to make this thing slicker and less uh, people dependent. They're also thinking, you know, globalization has proven to be challenging through this, right? You know, uh, when, when recently when China were locked down, it meant that the, the world economy was, was slowed because, you know, things weren't coming out of China. You know, well, there's, I think people are going to be de-risking those supply chains a little bit, thinking a bit more about localization of some of the, 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 the things that they buy and how they bring things together. So all of those things will have to be remodeled and rethought. I think that's going to drive more digital work. I think in the agency space, um, you know, there's a whole changing world in agency again because you know some of the things that used to be the mainstay have now changed we're getting more technology driving more things artificial intelligence is coming in now and 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 you know algorithmic uh, thinking is, is is working more in agency land now um and then i guess you know um for us it's it's more about the m a side is still very strong um there's different buys in the markets now than there used to be it was always in the past it was always the big agency groups who were consolidating and we now see private equity are very strong in this space now uh, as are some of the uh, some of the sort of consultancies, you know, so Accenture and Deloitte and those guys came out and they were all wanting to acquire digital assets as well. So there's there's been a lot of movement about who's buying and and, and you know who's acquiring those sorts of assets. So I think we'll see that continue uh, for a while yet. Performance marketing is very hot at the moment because it's easily it's an easy translation into into value because you know you, you put a pound in here and you get X many pounds back. So I think there's a lot of people interested in that. But I think we'll see the the brand side, we'll see technology continue to grow. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I guess it depends what happens with the current economy, right? Yeah. It's a, a tricky economy right now. We're in a recession. Mm, yeah, I think, you know, that's gonna drive a, 
that's going to drive a slightly different feel for people. Imagine that the, the B2C consumer guys who are doing e-commerce will probably feel a bit of a pinch as everyone has to compete for that kind of ever-shrinking mm. share of wallets. Um, but, you know, um, the smart guys will get it right. The smart guys will, will, will stay on the front foot and, and win new business. And um, maybe some of the people will find it a bit tougher, but it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see it in the States already where larger tech companies you know, based in out in LA and in San Francisco, that sort of thing, are starting to lay people off. Mm. You know, whereas in this country right now, the, the, the tech market's still super hot and it's really difficult to get the right talent at reasonable rates. Yeah. Well, there's, an absolute, um, there's an absolute dearth of talent. You know, everybody wants digital talent at the moment. Um, it's causing a bit of a blip in terms of um, salaries and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, was, I saw a piece recently where they were saying seven, up to 78% of people who work in digital at the moment would consider a move. Well, that's mainly because the market's really strong. It's a it's a buyer's market. That, you know, the, the salaries are in the like seventy fifth to ninety fifth percentile. Um, everybody's pretty juiced about it. Plus, everyone wants wants more talent. So, mm. you know, it's um, it's it's going to continue like that for a while, and therefore, you know, um, people are going to have to overpay for some of that talent. Unfortunately, mm. um, yeah, it's going to be. But then it'll be interesting to see what happens and if it slows. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, what we've done to try and combat that is, is I guess, what we've all really done in ClearSky and before was kind of grow our own talent. You know, you want that kind of yeah. core, really talented group of people that stay with you long term. Mm -hmm. And from there, you try and um, almost uh, clone them into, uh, you know, like Padawan de uh, devs or, or yeah. designers, and then eventually <laughs> they become the, the seniors, right? And yeah, I think exactly. that's that investment is, is required. I guess for me, there's a there's a bit of difficulty now and when you've got a junior that's good that you've brought on that you've invested in and then they'll jump ship almost like at year one it's like for a big salary and then you've got to try and explain to them say you know we support you in your career going forward you know it would be nice to stay here longer but you just make sure you're moving for the right reasons money's not always the right answer yeah. it's hard when you're a junior because everyone yeah. needs money and I, think, and I think in the early part of their career, the career the chunks of money can seem material mm. but actually it's like if you if you just wait a, a year or so you might find that the, the materiality is better um, yeah, I know what you mean I think you know if you invest in bringing people in at junior levels and, and developing them normally they'll reward you through longevity plus also you just they become much more in the shape of your business and therefore they deliver better for you mm. um, you know I've been in a number of different businesses where we brought people through like that and it, and it worked really well it's funny I go back to you know, the graduate program that, that I started I mean you don't see many of those now in terms of the investment they made but when I joined that business they, they brought in a lot of graduates every year and we were the amount of training and development we got was was eye-watering yeah it just wouldn't happen today but it did drive it did drive lowly. People stayed and did stuff, you know, and, and, and lots of people give long careers in there. So I think, I think it does pay you back if you do that well. Mm. But you've got to, you can't just say, well, development's just out, you know, I'll get a job to sit next to you and tell you how it works. You've got to give them a yeah. structured development program. Yeah, that, that kind of path to success. And yeah, we, we've tried various things like bringing in six months salary reviews instead of a year for juniors because it can make such a big difference. Mm. Um, but I, I, guess, I guess in the last few months, it's been the challenge of fully remote versus hybrid versus fully on site. And I think, yeah. I think every company will come to their own mm. way of working and own determination of what's best for them. And I guess what we've settled on is the hybrid is what we're after, right? Because yeah. we build teams. So Kooskai Logic, we provide product development teams to larger companies to build their software. Yeah. And I think there's a, a it's kind of corny. I like to think of it as like a team of athletes. Like they need to know how to pass the baton to each other really smoothly, yeah. get really high quality and really kind of fast pace of working. And for that, I need them occasionally in a room with whiteboards. You know? Which makes sense. And I think, you know, we're saying most people are doing the hybrid model. Um, I don't think anyone's gone fully remote or stayed fully remote. They've all brought them back a little bit. And I think you're right. It's about, you also need those water cooler conversations and the, and the bit, oh, I just heard John say this about that. You know, that sort of stuff's really important. So you can't get that unless you do have some 
some office-based stuff. I think the other thing I've seen is one of our uh, clients has gone a four-day work a week. Um, and so far, it appears that they're getting good, good efficiency and traction from that. Now, clearly, you've got to balance that between having a great employee value proposition, but also getting the work done. So mm. it'd be fascinating. They're, they're running it as a kind of an experiment. I think they're about nine or ten months into it now, and it seems going well. I think we're going to see more of that as well as people kind of remember what it was like in COVID, mm. and they want to get a bit more work-life balance. It's about how do you get that right? Um, I think, you know, when I first started my career, it was like, how hard do you work? How hard do you work? I think that's changed now into how do you get the balance right? So your, your efficiency comes from you being fresh, interested, bought in rather than tired out and just grinding it out. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, the 40 weeks is interesting. One, right? mm. I think for some businesses it worked really well and for others, it, in my head, I just can't make the calculation work. You know, mm. like I'm putting two, two, two together, I'm still getting seven. I'm like, yeah, I get yeah there's some, there's <laughs> some that just won't work, but you know, um, I think you know the, the data that came out of the Scandinavian studies suggested that even in certain businesses where you would see it almost be impossible, they managed to make it work and get and get benefits from it. So, yeah. you know, someone who's done four days and you know basically they were putting the same amount of effort they were in five, right? Then you know you're still getting the value for money. Yeah, I see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'd love a three-day weekend, but uh, <laughs> so um, why should people get in touch with Waypoint? Well, I guess that's a initial one. Uh, you, you did. Yeah. Um, I guess it's for me. It's all about depending on where they are in their journey and what they're trying to achieve. It's all about what you want to get and when you want to get it. Um, if you're uh, in a business where, like a bit like you and Phil, you know, you've got business, you're doing well with it, it's making traction, but you want to do better uh, and you want some help to do better, then they're the sort of people that we like to talk to. I mean, um, you know, we, we go right across the range. So we've got, we've got our main client base in, in the sort of advisory work we do is with the agencies typically who are somewhere between sort of one and a half million and, and 10 million in turnover. Um, but we also have a, a platform-based offer that we've built uh, for the smaller guys because our vision in, the biz, in, in, in what we do is to be the most influential advisor in our space. Now, you can't be influential unless you're touching the whole market. So we've devised a platform-based offer, which we call Agency Partner, which is for the small businesses, the sort of, you know, between sort of 250K and, and maybe, a, you know, one and a half million of that sort of turnover. It's that sort of scale. And it's taking everything we know, distilling it down, putting it into a digital platform mm -hmm. with sort of coaching to go alongside it to help people go through the same process, but do it in a lighter way, a bit more self, self-driven way. Okay. Um, and we launched that uh, as an MVP uh, last year. Uh, it's run this year. It's, it's run well. We've got some great learning from it, et cetera, and we're going to run it back up again. So uh, the plan with that is to do more in the UK and then uh, more into the US. So that's going to be a fascinating thing. And then I guess the other reason why people should talk to us is because um, we've got vast experience in terms of creating value for people, mm -hmm. um, i.e. accelerating the business to get more value coming through the business, but then potentially to do the transaction where we can help them realize you know, either a growth agenda they want to do, or maybe they want to sell and, and move on and do something else, then we can help them with that too. So, um, and in tech, we're, we're investing in that heavily this year. We've just bringing on a new partner who's going to be purely tech focused. He's coming from a, a quite a strong tech background, uh, and therefore we'll be doing more, more sort of M&A and also more growth in, in the tech space. Great. So it's going to be fun, yeah. Great. And, and uh, just to reflect on my journey mm -hmm. um, with Waypoint. Um, so, yeah, so Clear Sky Logic, um, last year, We'd gone through like significant growth. We did about 150% revenue growth in a year. Mm -hmm. um, maintained the same profitability of 10%. So it didn't, 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 didn't go out get any better or worse, but, but the pie was much bigger. Um, and the problem that you get to it as an agency owner and, and, and the CEO of a company like that is you need experience. You need someone to guide you. And, it, and it's not really one person, right? Like I've had, I've had the odd um, 
you know, coffee with someone that give me some mm. advice and all that. But it's normally like check in, check out, and that, that's it kind of done. What I really loved about working with you and, and Waypoint was, okay, I've, I've got a mentor in you and, and, and Phil to, to help me um, guide me forward and avoid the, the, pitfalls, that, uh, the pitfalls that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also other uh, experience that comes into it. You know, having Jamie on hand to help mm-hmm. us with the financial planning yep. and growth yep. and that sort of thing was great because otherwise I would have had to say, well, I've got Phil to help me with X, Y, Z and now I need to go and get a Jamie somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And you know what it's like, it's trying to coordinate different, oh, yeah. different um, people that are providing you those sort of services. Um, and that's really been something of value for us. Like Good. knowing that there's a company there that has our back, mm-hmm. that, that is protecting us even when we don't know we need protection, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and we're already seeing the results, right? Like quarter one this year was the best quarter we've had in Clear Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, even in difficult trading, um, mm-hmm. uh, difficult trading conditions, where you know previously in Clear Sky our markets were a lot of energy utilities, and the market fit completely collapsed last year with the, yeah. with the price caps and cost energy and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, what, what do I want as a business owner? I want to feel that support, and there's someone there. There's someone yeah. that, that, that knows where we're going and how to get faster. So, like we said there about you've got the new offering around the, the tech side of it, mm-hmm. uh, the platform that helps with the kind of smaller scale companies get a, a bit of guidance mm-hmm. and, and uh, a bit of uh, well, quite a lot of value, something at that mm-hmm. stage. And as you grow as a company, as an agency, then you can tap into the other yeah, exactly. skills as you so go. So, incubating people through a process. Help them all the way. I mean, wherever you are on your journey of your business, we want to be able to help all the way around. So right from the sort of the beginning, start up, going through grow up, into scale up, and then potentially value creation, we can do we can do that across the whole spectrum, and that's that's kind of where we're aiming. Yeah, and see that, that that's fantastic for us. Even the kind of the odd calls that we have where something's happened, I don't have anyone to ask what we should do in this sort of situation. Well, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. You need, need that sounding board. Somebody who's fallen in that pothole before, and yeah. you know, and if I haven't, all I do is I ring one of my partners and say, "Look, Darren's got this challenge. What do you think?" And the thing is, there's, there's twenty of us, um, you know, and the, the the partners in the business. Unfortunately, we're all, we've all been doing it a long time, so there's not much that we haven't fallen over. Mm. And therefore, if I haven't had the direct experience, somebody else has, and I'll just go and grab that other group and bring it forward. That's the beauty about how we compare to a standard non-exec, because a standard non-exec has their own experience, but doesn't necessarily have the same network to pull into that we do. Yeah, and it makes all the difference, because if I'm doing like an initiative on my own and I get there 80%, and I think that's roughly it done, mm-hmm. but really the real value and success is in the, the rest yeah, of the could 20%. Be in the, the last 20%, yeah. And that's where, that's where it makes a massive difference for me. It's, it's making sure the campaigns that I do, mm-hmm. or, or the uh, initiatives that I do, have that as close to 100% as I can. It's not just me or, or my team that are working on it. Well, it's interesting. I've seen, since we got engaged, I've seen a lot of your, your communications changing. You're, you're changing away from the tech solution aimed at the, at the user buyer, much more to the business solution aimed at the economic buyer, talking much more about the value that you bring. And, and you know, that, that's clear in your social media posting. <laughs> you must be rubbing it off on me. I was talking to a, a marketing agency recently mm-hmm. and uh, they were saying, who's doing your copy? Your copy's so good. And I was like, oh, I just put my full grip in that and Grammarly and we got there in the head. There you go. Um, but yes, yeah, it's making a massive difference. So thank you for, no, you're for welcome. that. Um, I'm enjoying it. That's, that's the thing, right? I'm enjoying it and you seem to be too. That's great. And if we can get the results, even better. Brilliant, right? It's a partnership, isn't it? Not exactly. Um, okay, so future, what's next for you? What's next for... Uh... Well, like I said, we're doing, we're doing this uh, push on, on tech now. Um, we're going to be expanding more into the US. We have a US office in New York at the moment. Uh, Brett, who's our partner in New York, um, doing some great stuff over there. There's some great deals going on at the moment. So I think we'll do more in the US because we think it's an opportunity. Plus, um, I've got clients in Dubai and in, in Athens now, so we're doing stuff in Europe as well. And then Otto, one of my partners, uh, Otto has also got stuff that he does in, in the Far East as well. So, you know, it, it, the, the COVID thing has meant that we can pretty much operate almost everywhere. So 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting. I'm enjoying it, yeah. And we're growing. We're growing. I think we're at 22 people now. So. Wow, cool. Yeah, it's growing fast. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. You start then looking back and going, I remember when we had 10, and yeah. it was really easy communication, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when there was two of us sat up here in Scotland, yeah. No. Now, now I haven't got enough office space, so that's good. Yeah, good problem to have, right? Um, great. Well, I think that was everything. Brilliant. That was what Thank you. Up. I enjoyed it very much. I think, you know, what we found is people were forced to look at those processes and realize how ineffective they were and how inefficient they were and actually how much they cost. So, I mean, when we were at First Utility, we looked at all of our analog journeys and realized they were two, three, four, up to eight times more expensive than a digital journey. Um, and if you managed to secure a digital client who joined you digitally, they'd be serviced with you digitally. If they joined you analog, they wanted to stay analog. And answering the phones were expensive. Um, it was time consuming. It meant you had lots of people sat in offices, etc. Doing it digitally was, was so much lighter. Doing it on chat, and doing it on Facebook Messenger for Business, doing it on, on Twitter. That was just so much easier. And of course, the beauty of that is when you service a client well there, the first thing that the person did was they then tweeted it and said, just a great experience with, with First Utility, you know, um, you know, had this experience, it worked well and it got done quickly. Mm -hmm. So much easier uh, and so much cheaper. So I think, yeah, we, we made a big effort to push more and more of our communication uh, digitally. Uh, when I finished up, when, when Shell uh, bought the business, uh, I think we were at about 38% of all our journeys were digital at that point. Uh, I know it's much bigger than that now, the guys have been pushing it since, but I mean, it just makes sense, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do the heavy lifting with technology, make it easy for people, then they don't want to call, yeah. call center, doesn't sit waiting for the phone to be answered, there's nothing worse, right? It's madness, right? But it's not about getting rid of people. It's, no. it's your people can now do the really important things. Exactly. You know, that, that 20% that can't be done automatically, exactly. if something's gone wrong, people need support. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you've got the resource to provide the support. Yeah, exactly. For example, you know, uh, if you're dealing with uh, bereavement, uh, you know, which we have to do in energy, you don't, you don't want to deal with bereavement through a digital means. You want to do that, you know, person yeah. to person. And, you know, you've got to get that balance right. So it's not appropriate for everything, but it works brilliantly in some things. And, and People appreciate it when it works well. I mean, who doesn't use Spotify or, or you know, who doesn't use Amazon or whatever and find it easy and go, this is just great, it's easy, right? But that's what people want now. They want things that work well and do what they want. The whole M&A side of our business got extremely busy because there's been a lot of money coming into the markets looking for digital solutions because, you know, digital is, is so important for businesses now. You know, the, the COVID thing made them realize that people-based processes and um, ways of working were risky um, and therefore they needed to do a lot more automation. So we saw a big rush towards people digitizing processes, digitizing onboarding and, and client management and all sort of stuff. So um, I think that that's sort of lit up our market a little bit um, mm -hmm. and it's keeping us busy, but it's also keeping my colleagues in the M&A side extremely busy because there's a lot of uh, a lot of people looking to acquire digital exp expertise and uh, experience now. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of the businesses become more efficient, right? And, and, and I think a lot of businesses were running in a, a comfort mode where they thought, you know, they'd look in a call center and go, oh, we've got lots and lots of people, isn't that, isn't that great? Things must be fine. Yeah. Customers must be happy because we're not getting complaints and that's all good, right? But then actually, well, how are, how are we serving customers? Does anyone actually want to call a call center anymore? Like, I certainly, I will avoid it like the plague. Yeah. And, and, and with digital solutions becoming way more mainstream now and not as big an investment to get the right sort of outcome, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just kind of right for businesses taking that journey, right? I totally agree. And I no, yeah. don't respond to emails, Phone down. don't push them on a swing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so it's, it's things like that, you know, when you're, when you're with your kids, I mean, I've got a five-year-old uh, and a 24-year-old, when, when you're with your kids, you've got to spend time with them mm -hmm. and you've got to be present because, you know, Angus, my youngest, wants to play with the trains and wants me to play with them. It's, you know, and it's like, well, it's easy to be distracted with other things, so you've got to, yeah. you've got to make that time. It's, it's funny how you, 
um, with some of the kids stuff, you end up like challenging them as well. Say, okay, well, we're not just going to play Lego. Let's try and make the tallest Lego <laughs> exactly, tower we yeah. can. Exactly. Just, uh, yeah. I want a long range view about that Lego plug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I guess I guess in the last few months, it's been the challenge of fully remote versus hybrid versus fully on site. And I think yeah. I think every company will come to their own mm. way of working and own determination of what's best for them. And I guess what we've settled on is. The hybrid is what we're after, right? Because yeah. we build teams. So, Kuskai Logic, we provide product development teams to larger companies to build their software. Yeah. And I think there's a, a it's kind of corny. I like to think it was like a team of athletes. Like they need to know how to pass the baton to each other really smoothly, yeah. get really high quality and really kind of fast pace of working. And for that, I need them occasionally in a room with whiteboards. You know? Which makes sense. And I think, you know, we're saying most people are doing the hybrid model. Um, I don't think anyone's gone fully remote or stayed fully remote they've all brought them back a little bit and i think you're right it's about you also need those water cooler conversations and the and the bit oh i just heard john say this about that you know that sort of stuff's really important so you can't get that unless you do have some some office-based stuff i think the other thing i've seen is one of our uh, clients has gone a four-day work a week um and so far it appears that they're getting good good efficiency and traction from that now clearly you've got to balance that between having a great employee value proposition but also getting the work done so mm. it'd be fascinating they're, they're running it as a kind of an experiment i think they're about nine or ten months into it now and it seems going well i think we're going to see more of that as well as people kind of remember what it was like in covid mm. and they want to get a bit more work-life balance it's about how do you get that right um I think, you know, when I first started my career, it was like, how hard do you work? How hard do you work? I think that's changed now into how do you get the balance right? So your, your efficiency comes from you being fresh, interested, bought in, rather than tired out and just grinding it out. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, the 40 weeks is an interesting one, right? Mm-hmm. I think for some businesses it worked really well, and for others, it, in my head, I just can't make the calculation work. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm putting two, two, two together, I'm still getting seven. I'm like, yeah. I get... yeah, there's some, there's some <laughs> it just won't work, but, you know... Um, I think you know the, the data that came out of the Scandinavian studies suggested that even in certain businesses where you would see it almost be impossible, they managed to make it work and get and get benefits from it. So yeah, you know, someone who's done four days and you know basically they were putting in the same amount of effort they were in five. Right. Then you know you're still getting the value for money. Yeah. I see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd love a three-day weekend, but uh, <laughs> we'd gone through like significant growth. We did about 150 percent revenue growth in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, maintained the same profitability of ten percent. So it didn't 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 go out get any better or worse. But but the pie was much bigger. Um, and the problem that you get to it as an agency owner and 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 the CEO of a company like that is you need experience. You need someone to guide you, and it, and it's not really one person right like i've had i've had the odd um you know coffee with someone that give me some mm. advice and all that but it's normally like check in check out and that that's it kind of done what i really loved about working with you and, and waypoint was okay I've, I've got a mentor in you and, and, and phil to, to help me um guide me forward and avoid the pit holes that, uh, the pitfalls that we've talked about mm-hmm. um but there's also other uh experience that comes into it. you know having jamie on hand to help mm-hmm. us with the financial planning yep. and growth yep. and that sort of thing was great because otherwise i would have had to say I've got Phil to help me with X, Y, Z, and now I need to go and get a Jamie somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And you know what it's like, it's trying to coordinate different oh, yeah. different um, people that are providing you those sort of services. Um, and that's really been something of value for us. Like Good. knowing that there's a company there that has our back, mm-hmm. that, that is protecting us, even when we don't know we need protection, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and we're already seeing the results, right? Like quarter one this year was the best quarter we've had in Clear Sky, mm-hmm. um, even in difficult trading, uh, mm-hmm. uh, difficult trading conditions where you know previously in Clear Sky our markets were a lot of energy utilities and the market completely collapsed last year with the, yeah. with the price caps and cost energy and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, what, what do I want as a business owner? 
I want to feel that support and there's someone there, there's someone yeah. that, that knows where we're going and how to get it faster. So like we said there about you've got the new offering around the, the tech side of it, mm -hmm. uh, the platform that helps with the kind of smaller scale companies get a, a bit of guidance mm -hmm. and, and uh, a bit of, uh, well, quite a lot of value, something at that stage. Mm -hmm. And as you grow as a company, as an agency, then you can tap into the other yeah, exactly. skills as you so go. So we're incubating people through a process help them all the way. I mean, wherever you are on your journey of your business, we want to be able to help all the way around. So right from the sort of the beginning, start up, going through grow up into scale up and then potentially value creation, we can do, we can do that across the whole spectrum and that's, that's kind of where we're aiming. Yeah, and see that, 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 that's fantastic for us. Even the kind of the odd calls that we have where something's happened, I don't have anyone to ask what we should do in this sort of situation. Well, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. You need, need that sounding board, somebody who's fallen in that pothole before. And yeah. you know, and if I haven't, all I do is I ring one of my partners and say, look, Darren's got this challenge, what do you think? And the thing is, there's, there's 20 of us, um, you know, and the, the, the partners in the business, Unfortunately, we're all, we've all been doing it a long time, so there's not much that we haven't fallen over. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if I haven't had the direct experience, somebody else has, and I'll just go and grab that other group and bring it forward. That's the beauty about how we compare to a standard non-exec, because a standard non-exec has their own experience, but doesn't necessarily have the same network to pull into that we do. Yeah, and it makes all the difference, because if I'm doing like an initiative on my own and I get there 80%, and I think that's roughly it done, mm -hmm. but really the real value and success is in the, the rest yeah, of the 20%. Could be in the, the last 20%, yeah. And that's where, that's where it makes a massive difference for me. It's making sure the campaigns that I do, mm -hmm. or, or the uh, initiatives that I do, have that as close to 100% as I can. It's yeah. not just me or, or my team that are working on it. Well, it's interesting, I've seen, since we got engaged, I've seen a lot of your, your communications changing. You're changing away from the tech solution aimed at the, at the user buyer much more to the business solution aimed at the economic buyer, talking much more about the value that you bring. And, and you know, that, that's clear in your social media posting. <laughs> you must be rubbing it off on me. I was talking to a, a marketing agency recently mm -hmm. and uh, they were saying, who's doing your copy? Your copy's so good. And I was like, oh, I just put my full grip in that and Grammarly and we got there in there. There you go. Um, but it yeah, it's making a massive difference. So thank you for, no, you're for that. Um, I'm enjoying it. That's, that's the thing, right? I'm enjoying it and you seem to be too. That's great. And if we can get the results, even better. We're going to see that continuation of more digitization. Um, I think that, you know, uh, all big corporations have, are looking at their processes, they're looking at their supply chains and saying, we've got to make this thing slicker and less uh, people dependent. They're also thinking, you know, globalization has proven to be challenging through this, right? You know, uh, when, when recently when China were locked down, it meant that the, the world economy was, was slowed because, you know, things weren't coming out of China. You know, well, there's, I think people are going to be de-risking those supply chains a little bit, thinking a bit more about localization of some of the, 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 the things that they buy and how they bring things together. So all of those things will have to be remodeled and rethought. So I think that's going to drive more digital work. I think in the agency space, um, you know, there's a whole changing world in agency again because you know some of the things that used to be the mainstay have now changed we're getting more technology driving more things artificial intelligence is coming in now and 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 you know algorithmic uh, thinking is, is is working more in agency land now um and then i guess you know um for us it's it's more about the m a side is still very strong um there's different buys in the markets now than there used to be it was always in the past it was always the big agency groups who were consolidating mm -hmm. and we now see private equity are very strong in this space now uh, as are some of the uh, some of the sort of consultancies, you know, so Accenture and Deloitte and those guys came out and they were all wanting to acquire digital assets as well. So there's there's been a lot of movement about who's buying and and, and you know who's acquiring those sorts of assets. So I think we'll see that continue uh, for a while yet. Performance marketing is very hot at the moment because it's easily it's an easy translation into into value because you know you, you put a pound in here and you get x many pounds back. So I think there's a lot of people interested in that. But I think we'll see the the brand side, we'll see technology continue to grow um, 
it'll be interesting to watch. I guess it depends what happens with the current economy, right? Yeah. It's a, a tricky economy right now. We're in recession. Mm, yeah, I think, you know, that's going to drive a, that's going to drive a slightly different feel for people. Imagine that the, the B2C consumer guys who are doing e-commerce will probably feel a bit of a pinch as everyone has to compete for that kind of ever shrinking mm. share of wallets. Um, but you know, um, the smart guys will get it right. The smart guys will, will, will stay on the front foot and, and win new business and um, maybe some of the people will find it a bit tougher, but it's, it's gonna be an interesting time.